bonjour and welcome to the Overtake F1 podcast. And boy, we are back racing after a weekend off. We're heading to the south of France for the French Grand Prix. It is round seven of the World Championship. This is at the Circuit de Paul Ricard, a circuit not on the 2020 calendar. In fact, this is the third straight race that we've had that wasn't on last year's calendar due to COVID-19 with Monaco and Baku. And we come into this race after an event-filled Azerbaijan Grand Prix two weeks ago. Max Verstappen crashing after a tire failure. And then, of course, Lewis Hamilton with all the drama of running off the track in turn one after the restart, hitting the magic button, affecting the brake bias, locking the brakes, and going right off the track. Before we get into the details this weekend and some of the things I'm watching for for the French Grand Prix, a reminder, subscribe to the channel, leave us a five-star review if you like what we do, tell a friend as well, that's how we grow the channel. Also, you can hit us up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can also email the show at theovertakef1podcast at gmail.com. So the French Grand Prix seeing no changes in the championship race. The top two drivers, Verstappen and Hamilton, remaining the same since post-Monaco as neither one scored a point in Baku. However, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix did shuffle the standings outside the top two. Sergio Perez now third, thanks to the victory. Lando Norris is fourth. Charles Leclerc fifth, ahead of Valtteri Bottas. Some of the race details for this weekend, 53 laps around the circuit to Paul Ricard, running 5.84 kilometers. Now, Pirelli, and we'll get to them in a minute, running the mid-range tires for the weekend. C2 for the hards, C3 for the mediums, C4 for the softs. This is the same set that was used in 2019. Degradation is low. For the most part, it's expected to be very hot in the south of France this time of year, so look for that. Also, they're suggesting or at least implying that this should be a one-stop race. Most drivers going from mediums to hearts. All right, so here are five things that I'm watching for for Sunday's race. And the number one thing I'm looking for is how Mercedes bounces back. Since Formula One has returned to this track, Lewis Hamilton has won both races and has started from pole position for both. In the past two races, Monaco and Baku, only Hamilton's P7 has provided any points for the team. Both drivers finished under the checker to Baku and neither finished in the top 10. It was a rough day for Valtteri Bottas. And of course, as I mentioned, Hamilton slid off the track and finished 15th. Now, I have a love-hate relationship right now with Mercedes and how they've been dealing with these recent troubles. They have been very public about them. And as a media guy, I love that. I like the transparency and I like the honesty. Um, if I'm reporting for this, if I'm covering this and I'm writing stories about this, this is refreshing. You know, I've covered a lot of teams, a lot of athletes, and a lot of them say, oh, you know, everything's fine when it's not fine. Or we'll handle that internally when you kind of want more information. So it is refreshing that Total Wolf and Hamilton have been very, very open to the media. However, it does feel like it's a weak look for Mercedes. I mean, they're the champions. They're the seven-time Constructors champion, seven-time world champion in Lewis Hamilton. There is a woe-is-me factor that I don't like whenever they talk about their troubles. But nevertheless, this is a track where they should get it back on track. And if they don't, if they don't, if they have another bad weekend, then, man, you are really going to hear about it from this team. One other note from Mercedes has been a change to that magic button on Hamilton's steering wheel, the one that affected the brake bias that led to the lockup on the restart. There's like sort of a shroud on it so that he can't accidentally knock it on. And then the troubling issue of Valtteri Bottas continues to resurface. I've been saying this all season. I think a lot of this is clickbait about him being replaced midseason and whatnot. There is an issue with Valtteri Bottas. There's no question about it. But I think a lot of it is, a, is something that just keeps popping up over and over again because I think people gravitate towards it. I think it's a little bit of paddock gossip, but there's no question that there is going to be a decision on Botas at the end of the season. It's probably not favorable to Valtteri. 
The second thing on my list to watch for this weekend is the flexi-wing debate. Well, is it over? Because the FIA has started to implement stringent testing on those wings this week. In fact, they happened on Tuesday. This is drama between Red Bull and Mercedes that started to percolate at Barcelona when Hamilton commented on the advantage that Red Bull had when using the flexi-wings. Total Wolf then going into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix basically threatened the FIA with court action if they didn't do something immediately and sooner than the first. French Grand Prix. So with tests being implemented this week, this should end the issue, right? Now, teams have one month to comply with the new stricter regulations. There will be a 20% leniency until July 15th. After that, zero. So my estimation is there should be no more back and forth between Red Bull and Mercedes on this issue going forward if indeed Red Bull has complied with the new guidelines. And look, I've seen this issue both ways. I understand Mercedes is trying to protect the integrity of the sport. If those wings have been providing Red Bull with a competitive advantage, they had to say something. However, I see Christian Horner's point of view as well. This is a costly decision. This is a costly maneuver for teams if they don't feel like they're doing anything wrong. If they feel like the wings are within the current guidelines, then why should they pay the amount of money it's going to cost to replace those wings? Look, the guidelines are now in place. They're now stricter. This is going to be tested. Teams will have a chance to comply within these rules by July 15th, and that should be the end of it. That should be the end of it. If there are flexi wings on Red Bull's car, they'll have to change them. That's it. So no more back and forth between these two teams on this issue. Number three, Lando Norris has a streak. Daniel Ricciardo has progression. McLaren entering the French Grand Prix with Lando Norris scoring points in every single race so far this season, and he is the only driver to do so. Currently, he sits fourth in the championship. He has two podiums already this season. And on the flip side, his teammate Daniel Ricciardo is still getting used to the MCL 35M. He's admitted that the last two races, both street circuits, did not really give him the opportunity to see what the car can do. He has struggled with the car and the driving style that it takes, but does feel like the next three races, we got one in France and then two in Austria, will provide him a chance to make the progress necessary. Now you add to the fact that Ferrari is now taking over P3 in the Constructors Championship after Baku, and a lot more attention is going to be on these two drivers from McLaren. And one other note on Ferrari, Charles Leclerc expects a return to normal. I mean, he was on the pole at Monaco, on the pole at Baku. He doesn't think Ferrari will be doing that at the Circuit de Paul Ricard and saying, you know, Ferrari is going to be back to what it was before we went to Monte Carlo and then ran the streets at Baku. But nevertheless, I think it's a little bit of gamesmanship. Ferrari is having a pretty good season. I mean, obviously not the seasons that they've had in the past, but expectations going into 2021, I think have been met and, and in some cases exceeded what people thought they were going to be doing after the disastrous 2020 campaign. All right, number five, the podium boys at Baku. Sergio Perez coming off a win, and not only that, he's really starting to show that he was the right choice for that second seed Red Bull. He has really improved in that car. I mean, look, the victory at Azerbaijan came because Hamilton went off the track. He was able to take the lead on the restart, but don't forget, he could have won this race straight up. He could have beaten both Verstappen and Hamilton. He had a little bit of a lengthy pit stop. He could have came out in front of both of those cars at Baku. He ran good in that race, all race. Uh, Sebastian Vettel who ran P3, a great result for him and Aston Martin. He had a great result at Monaco, a P2 at Baku. It's starting to finally come around for Seb and his new team. Remember all of the bad stuff that had happened to him at the beginning of the season, all of the penalties and the issues at Bahrain, break issues at Imola, not really running well at Portugal and Spain, and really started to come together in round five at Monte Carlo. And then, of course, at Baku, he gets on the podium. And then there was Pierre Gasly, who got a P3, his third career podium. Uh, It was his first podium since winning at Monza last year. 
year. He also finished P6 at Monaco. So a good run for all three of those guys at Baku. And let's see if it turns into something in the French Grand Prix for all of their teams, right? Red Bull is certainly looking for a second threat in the car, a competitive way they can challenge Mercedes for the Constructors' Championship, needing the two cars to do so. Sebastian Vettel coming around for Aston Martin, who has really struggled so far this season, not only with Seb's car, but Lance Stroll as well. And then Gasly at AlphaTauri. It was a double points weekend for the team. Yuki Tsunoda finishing in the top 10. And for Gasly, another podium for his career and the second since being let go from Red Bull back in 2019. Now, the fifth thing I'm watching out for, it's not something I'm too excited about. Will this race be boring? The last two races at Paul Ricard really have been, 2018, 2019. They weren't really that thrilling. And I'm being nice. They were rather dull, especially 2019. Hamilton won both of those races. He did so from pole position. The last time they ran there two years ago, he led all but one lap. Now, not every race and not every track is going to be exciting. That's the nature of different circuits around the world. And it happens in every single series. There are just some tracks that don't really lend itself to the quality of racing you may expect. Not everything can be a winner. So maybe we don't get a battle for the checkered flag, but I hope we do. I hope for Stappen and Hamilton put on a show again, but maybe they won't. Maybe Mercedes gets their act together and pulls off a dominating weekend. People are expecting them to do so. People are expecting them to return to form on this circuit. But you should see a good battle in the midfield. You should see cars scrambling for position and earning some points, maybe even changing the outlook of their season. So it's not always about who wins the race, especially in Formula One, where a P6 for a certain team might be fantastic and a great result. That may be what you see this weekend, even if the race isn't all that exciting. So again, those are the five things I'm looking for for the French Grand Prix. To repeat, Mercedes bouncing back, getting back to form. Flexi Wings issue should be dead after stringent testing started this week. Lando Norris and McLaren and their battle with Ferrari for P3. Whether or not the podium boys from Baku actually have good runs in France. And also, will the race be exciting or will it be boring like I think it has been over the last two runs? Track talk, circuit to Paul Ricard. It sits near sea level, can be affected by some of the strong winds coming off the water. It is in the south of France and has returned to hosting the French Grand Prix in 2018 after a near 30-year absence. Uh, it's got the fewest turns of any track on the calendar. There's three straights. There's one that's long that's broken up with a chicane where you could get some overtaking there. There are 15 turns on this racetrack. Turns 10 and 11 provide some high G-forces. Turn 10 is run at full speed. It has got a good combination of slow and fast corners. It is used for testing by Formula One teams. It's a track that is distinguished, and if you can, is from the colored lines on the racetrack. These are the high grip asphalt areas that replace gravel traps. The red line you see on the racetrack are of higher grip than the blue lines. So now let's get to the big story that's coming into the French Grand Prix, and that's Pirelli and the tire fiasco at Baku. Now, remember the race Lance Stroll suffered a tire failure. It was in his left rear, and then Max Verstappen suffered the same tire blowout with a few laps remaining. That cost him the win, and immediately Pirelli started pointing at debris on the racetrack, saying, well, that was the reason that the tires failed. Verstappen immediately said no, that that was not the case, that he said, we're running the same lines. There's no way it could have been debris, but Pirelli pointed to a cut on Lewis Hamilton's tire. They said, obviously, they would do an investigation back at their facility. So we waited for the results of that investigation. And this is what Pirelli came up with. They said, quote, a circumferential break on the inner side wall, which can be related to the running condition of the tire. Now, that didn't make immediate sense. That was a little bit of a vague answer. 
So this was their official answer earlier when they released their initial investigation. This was basically nothing, nothing. Verstappen, he didn't like that answer this week at the, at the press conference saying that Red Bull followed the proper procedures for those tires. And if the reason was low tire pressure, which they later said was, that's a better answer than what Pirelli had given them in the initial report. And I agree with them. If it's low tire pressure, then say that first. I think their original explanation sort of clouds the issue. It doesn't really explain much. You have to kind of really dig into detail. If you're a casual F1 fan, for example, you have to kind of dig into the issue a little bit more, and maybe you don't have time for that, so it sort of gets glossed over. I mean, low tire pressure, many people can go, okay, it was low tire pressure. They get that. But a more complicated answer doesn't really sit well. Now, Lewis Hamilton, he backs Pirelli. He says that the tires are more robust than ever before. He also said that when there is a failure, more often than not, they are not at the right pressure. Now, I'm glad Pirelli did an investigation and came up with some sort of answer. Those were really dangerous crashes. Those were coming at high speed on that straight in Azerbaijan. And both of those cars made a hard impact. Those drivers could have really been hurt. So again, if it was tire pressure, all right. If it was mechanical failure of the car, fine. If it was debris, fine. If it was an actual malfunction of the tire, fine. But I think we do need to know because those impacts could have been really devastating to both of those drivers, Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen. A bit of good news for Esteban Ocon. He signs a new three-year deal to remain at Alpine. It takes him to the end of the 2024 season, and it comes, this contract comes before his home race in France. It provides security to him, but there's also a little catch to this. It means that if Mercedes has a seat coming up, either Lewis Hamilton retires or they finally want to replace Valtteri Bottas, he will not get it. So he is going to remain at Alpine for the next three years. Now, this is great. Now, remember, Ocon lost his seat at Force India Racing Point when Lawrence Stroll bought the team and then brought in his son Lance to race there. They also kept Sergio Perez, and he was out of the 2019 season and then brought back by Renault Alpine for 2020. So this is really good news for Ocon. Drivers switching teams in Formula One is a given. That's just the nature of the sport, and Ocon now has found himself some stability. One other note, Roman Grosjean will not be testing for Mercedes this weekend in France as originally planned. However, the team will reschedule. Now, this change was because the French Grand Prix had to be moved in the schedule due to some cancellations of races. They shuffled the schedule a little bit. Remember, like, the Canadian Grand Prix was canceled, and then we were going to go to Turkey, then we're no, no longer going to Turkey, and now we've got two races in Austria. They had to move the schedule a bit, so this did not work for Grosjean's IndyCar schedule. He'll be running at Road America this weekend. So there was also a test that was planned for June 29th, that had to be rescheduled due to travel restrictions. Now, Mercedes boss Toto Wolff promised this to Grosjean after his crash last season at Bahrain, saying he didn't want that moment to be the final run in an F1 car. Good for Wolf for that. And now look for this to happen next summer. I, th I think it's been an interesting ride for Roman Grosjean since that crash. He was a driver that had often been maligned causing some accidents and whatnot. But when you see a driver escape death like that, the perception can change. And that's an image that still resonates with me every time I see it. Every time I hear him talk about being in that car and every time I hear him talk about, there's that one particular moment where he talks about the acceptance realizing he couldn't get out of the car and that for that very brief period of time, he just sort of sat back and wondered all right, is this it? Is this how it ends? Will it hurt? Will the fire, you know, will it be quick? But then 
in a real split second, he realizes he can get out of that car. That resonates with me. That really hits me hard to think that he had accepted his fate being in that car in that particular moment and then still went, nope, I got to get out of here. I got wife. I got kids. Let me get out of this car. And I think that has made him a fan favorite when he wasn't always a fan favorite. But seeing somebody go through that, I think, can change your perception of anybody. And I saw it particularly when he took pole at the Indianapolis Grand Prix. I saw tremendous social media love for him and just the way people were reacting and really excited for that bit of news, pulling for him to actually win that race. I do a radio show for Sports Map Radio, a national morning show, and I actually brought that up. And I don't talk too much about Formula One, but I was able to jump in on that and say, look, this is a guy that escaped death. And then he started a race from pole position a few months later. The IndyCar series was running in Detroit this past weekend and his car caught on fire. He got out of the car, went and got a fire extinguisher and put it out. Better man than me. I probably would have ran all the way down the track away from the flames as much as possible if I had walked through a fireball. But in the end, I think a lot of people are happy to see Mercedes do this for Roman Grosjean. And I think it'll be exciting to see him back in a Formula One car and his reaction to that after that horrific crash in, crash in Bahrain last November. All right, so this race, uh, the French Grand Prix, is the start of a triple header. There's going to be two races in Austria coming up at the Red Bull ring. All right, predictions for this race. I do think Red Bull wins. I think Max Verstappen takes the checkered flag. I think Hamilton comes in second. I think Mercedes shows up this weekend. Uh, I don't know if Valtteri Bottas finishes third or not. I kind of have been back and forth in the way, the way Bottas has been driving lately. So maybe Sergio Perez takes that third podium spot, or maybe we have a, a surprise. Maybe Ferrari actually sneaks in there as well. But I do think the top two in the championships will be on the podium, and I think Verstappen takes the win. All right, that's going to do it for our French Grand Prix preview. A little short, and we'll get a review coming up next week after the race. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the Overtake F1 podcast. Once again, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the program. Give us a good review so we can promote it as much as possible. Tell your friends as well. You can contact the show for any reason at Tony D Radio on Twitter. You can also email us at the Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. I know it's a little long, so I'm going to repeat it. The Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. Ask any questions. If you're new to the sport give us any comments feedback whatever that's how you can reach us so next week a review of the french grand prix and then get you ready for the first race of two at austria merci beaucoup enjoy the french grand prix and again this is the overtake f1 podcast